Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Q&A Quest. Our wondrous... Uh, hmm. Thought I had a joke and I lost it. Anyway, I'm your host Mike Apps, aka Wheels. And with me as always... Or not with me... Oh, 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 sorry. I got like a message right at the t- right as you were starting, and all I could think was, what on earth am I getting a message for? Okay, it's, it's me, David Bamblemaster, whatever. This is I will best. answer to anything. This is the best way to start our 50th episode. Our 50th episode, A Brush with Dementia. And joining us after a long hiatus is... Jonathan Stringer. Yeah. I almost had to pull the, uh, hey, where am I thing, too, but... I'm a. I'm not here. I'm not here enough to, to pull all those jokes. It's all good. Listen, we will accept your jokes. All jokes are acceptable, especially if they're about how bad Final Fantasy Legend Three is. Oh man, it is a bad game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, replace uh, it with a good one, like Final Fantasy Legend Two. It's a good game. Anyway, we have a. A variety of questions and other nonsense as befits our 50th episode oh. what a what a like everyone celebrates their half centennial right I guess also not annual because it's not like we do these podcasts once a year uh, to celebrate this occasion, I was just going to scroll through some of our random older episodes and see what some of the stupid titles I came up with were. So are we, are we, do we really? Oh, God. <laughs> the Pilot. So inventive. What a, what a name. So descriptive. We kind of had to because I don't think we were sure that we'd actually do more than one. <laughs> I don't think we had a title officially when we recorded it. We did not. We spent a long time trying to come up with the title and then went with this. And I mean, our second episode was talking about how you can make a good Sonic RPG, so I figured that was going to be like our end right there. What was the episode I was on last time? Uh, Let's see, you were on the episode Extra Value Meal, November 16th, 2015. Wow. This week in Q&A Quest, we learned the perils of spending promotional credit from fast food restaurants on video games. We also oh, yeah, I think Star Wars yeah. RPGs. That's when I bought Star Ocean from Best Buy Bucks from McDonald's. That's right. I was talking oh, God. About Mistakes. I think I also gave Wheels just, like, unending heat for the fact that he was going to... Like, that was around the time I would have been giving him unending heat that he was going to spend... That he was going to buy, like, fast food products to get Destiny quests. Oh, Yeah. It's like one that was associated with Red Bull or something, which is not precisely fast food, but is similarly, like, dangerous. <laughs> I don't think I ever ended up actually doing that. Oh, thank God. Also, when it, when we were discussing uh, the need for the name recently, I realized that we had missed the most obvious possible... Uh, the most obvious possible name, which was questing for answers. <laughs> Our entire lives are a lie. Damn. Uh, let's see what other random nonsense I came up with. I named an episode just Saga. Yeah, it. that happened. Uh, you got a friend in me. Apparently I was watching Toy Story. 
Oh, you dancing, did have young children. Dancing so. all night in Destiny. There's a lot of Destiny in these early ones. It's kind of a running theme. Oh god, have we been doing this for two years? Yes, we have, dude. We've been doing this for closer to two and a half years. It will be two and a half years next month. And just to think, we have been doing this less than the number of years I've been playing Destiny. I hate you. <laughs> oh, Gex 2 enter the podcast. I'm, I'm really proud of that one. I still don't remember why that happened. Uh, random Tangent Quest. That's really just the actual title of the podcast. Q&A Kai Watch. That's not even a pun. You just you just said things. One of these has a number on it. None of the rest have an episode number in the title. You just did that one time. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> uh, insert clever title here. Uh, I must have been really I'm not sure that if that week. was... Yeah, I'm not sure if that was supposed... There's also like a... An Octothorpe after Adelier in the next one, and I'm not sure why that's the case. Uh, I forget. Um, Madden Warriors Extreme Football Legends. Steam World Dig Dogger. That's that is all you. Yeah, that is one that I specifically asked for, and rightly I couldn't tell you why, but it seemed really important at the time. Uh, uh, Monster Hunter Triple X. I I will never very proud of that title. You that. Japan or something exists for that. Yeah, uh, no, Japan has you covered. But the best title of all, used Skyrim salesman. I, I guess, man. I like how, like you, like at one point you basically just named one after the fact that you were basically asleep the entire episode. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I did. did doze off during that episode for real. That's great. I was able to. I was successfully capable of talking to myself long enough that no one probably noticed. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. Least of all me. Jokes on me. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so when we get into some of our question, actual questions from this week, let's be slightly less masturbatory. Yes. Uh, do 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 do. Oh, uh, wow, this one is kind of relevant, since we already went over this. This one's from Budai. Do you think it's possible to ever make a good Sonic RPG? How do you feel this would have... How do you feel this would have to be handled? Non-turn-based or something more? And he's never played the DS Bioware game, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, no, you're saving yourself some trouble. Uh... Like, I stand by my old statement, it needs east-bumping combat. Yes. Like a work. Like, that's the only way to make the game fast enough. Hit him with your hair. Oh, man. <laughs> Perfect. It's basically a bad neck bounce. You should also, Budai, go back and listen to episode two. Yeah, I don't... Well, I don't actually recommend that, but you could, I guess... <laughs> Well, it was a good episode, wasn't it? I, I, I refuse to believe that any of our episodes are good. Well, I remember, um, we should, I guess we should mention this. Uh, originally, the show was pitched as RP Gamer's short podcast. <laughs> Things went up basically the 
third episode when Gaijin came, and they never went back down. Nope. <laughs> Those things don't exist. No. Short RP Gamer podcast. No. It's, we tried. We, we gave I, it I a try. Mus- <laughs> I was musing to wheels earlier that, like, podcasts are basically what people do now that 30 to 40 years ago they would have been doing, like, UHF and cable access TV shows, like, produced cheaply in someone's basement. And it's just like, well, you need to fill time. Stretch, stretch. We we can still sell maybe some kind of commercial to this. The used car lot down the street will purchase time slot. We'll purchase ads for used Skyrim salesmen. I think Monster Hunter XXX is now going to give us some ads. Yeah. No, well, someone will give ads. It just won't be reputable sites. It'll be fine. Good times. I hate I hate the choices I've made in life. Self-loathing the podcast. But yeah, our short podcast idea lasted until episode three. <laughs> it lasted a record two episodes. I actually, uh, I... oh yeah, episode two was just shy over half an hour. So yeah, episode three. <sighs> and we we'll had... never stop. Um, well, we kind of had to keep doing it because there was like a positive reception to the long episode. Because it... so it was like, well. So much for that. Yeah. I guess, uh, it, like, I wasn't going to argue with the chance to ramble at length, so. Yeah. But anyway, the moral of the story is listen to episode two. Alright. <laughs> next, next question. Sometimes games come along that really influence developers. Do you think Zelda Breath of the Wild will influence other games in the industry, or is a lot of what it does confined to its own series? Breath of the Wild. Oh, sorry, you go ahead. Go. No, guests always go first. Guests go first? Dave can wait. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Trust me, I'll have 20 minutes of things to say. Zelda so much influences other games as it borrows from a lot of other games. That's a... I mean, it's not necessarily groundbreaking, it's just groundbreaking in a Zelda game. At least to me, it's kind of like that big open world phase and push that's been going on, and actually I think some people are even fatigued by it, but when you get something that's well-polished and an IP like Zelda, then it kind of just clicks, and it, it's kind of a game made for it, so... Of course it's going to influence, because it's going to be a big Zelda game, and we'll be like, okay, we need to make the game like Zelda and sell it like that, but uh, there'll be copycats, but I don't think it's that novel of an idea. No, I can definitely see that. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, just look at, like, the Towers, which is, like, an Ubisoft staple. Mm. Um, I think uh, if it does influence things, it'll be subtle. But the other thing, sorry, I don't, I shouldn't interrupt you. You go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, that yeah, the game borrows a lot from other series, and and there isn't a ton that's necessarily new. Like we've had breakable weapon systems and everything, but you know, like you said, it's the polish. I think that's the thing because we've become so used to and probably. Uh, in addition to just being probably exhausted with open world games in general, we've been exhausted with open world games that are absurdly buggy. Uh, so to get one like this that is just very well polished, very well put together, um, you know, it, I wonder if it not necessarily influences a lot of copycats, but kind of says to other developers, okay, we can't kind of just 
shove this game out here with all these bugs and and kind of be like, oh, well, it's an open world game, so this kind of happens. Uh, I think the uh, oh god, but yeah, I'm not. Th I'm, I don't think that's actually going to happen. But I can dream. I, I think the overwhelming thing that. Breath of the Wild does right is a sense of cohesion that a lot of open world games tend to sort of lack by virtue of like throwing, you know, putting a fairly like sizable amount of content, but often over a very large gap of just stuff. And I feel like Breath of the Wild's uh, general what is the word I'm searching for? It, its general triumph is the fact that it. it everything sort of loops back into each other, partially because it doesn't actually have a lot of systems. Mm. And I think that that might, like, anything that takes influence from it will be subtle, but it, I think ideally it'll be the pairing back of, like, the concept of the open-world game is often the maximalist game design. Just put everything in, and don't worry too much about how it interplays with each other. But, like, the way that... The thing that Zelda does that makes it stand out is that everything interplays with each other because there's only so many things it can interplay with. And so they they sort of like pared back the amount of different ways, the amount of different things that can interact, but also increase the amount of ways that the things that do interact can interact. And so everything sort of feeds back into a more cohesive whole. And so I think that a, a game that really wants to emulate what Breath of the Wild did needs to focus on that sort of cohesion that makes sense I'm not intelligent but I play one on TV <laughs> we're not on TV <laughs> listen I said we're on a UHS station I none of it alright alright so, yeah like it, it would be hard to detect Zelda's specific uh, influence on future games just because it is absolutely true that it is like Zelda was in a stasis where it much it built upon itself but did not really react to the games around it for many many years and so part of what makes Breath of the Wild feel so weird is that it is the game finally reacting to a lot of game design mm -hmm. but like I would also point out that like Zelda's map is huge, absolutely gargantuan, but it only has a handful of Ubisoft towers. That's true. Which is another thing that I think points to the fact that they they did not feel the need that like to create the feeling of content. They did not feel the need to create a ton of extraneous content. Like the, the okay. Uh, how many towers does like an Ubisoft game typically have? Any a ideas? lot. Yeah. Like, probably, I, I feel like any given city in Assassin's Creed will have at least as many as Breath of the Wild has in total. <laughs> and most Assassin's Creed have several cities. Yeah. So, like, that's, that's a thing that, like, yeah. I feel like they aren't usually as interesting to get to in a lot of cases as they can be in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, in, in Assassin's Creed, they're kind of a chore, a prerequisite of, like, you found a new area, and if you want to do anything useful here, you need to go up the tower. And so, like, but because of the fact that the cities are relatively homogenous, and they aren't really meant to gate progress in any way, 
they generally there's no real puzzle to getting up them except learning how to climb the building they're on. Mm. And sometimes those buildings will have like obnoxious, like weird bits of architecture to grab onto, but there's generally not much to it. Zelda's usually like there's one right near the beginning, right right near where you start the game after you've gotten through the tutorial. Where, like, you could go straight for it, but it's a really dangerous one to go for right at the beginning, because there's tons and tons of guardians there. And, like, going for it immediately, like, presents a unique challenge from the first one that you have to go to as part of the tutorial, because that one is just, you're learning how to climb, but now it's like, can you climb, can you get rid of these things, or climb skillfully enough to climb around the laser beams they're firing at you? (laughs) Or, like, there's corruption all over this one. Can Do you have the stamina or know how to climb around it? Zelda, the other thing I would say that Zelda might show, its influence might show in the sense that it tends to avoid trying to disallow things. There's a lot of times where unintended solutions, like, there are obvious unintended solutions, but the game obviously has not been created in such a way to attempt to disallow the unintended solution. So, like, in that sense, I think that would also be, if you start seeing that more often, I would attribute that to Zelda. Hmm. But, yeah, that fits back into the cohesiveness thing, so, yeah. There you go. (laughs) Any other thoughts on the matter? Nope. Before we move on? All right. Zelda, in conclusion... Uh, some more questions from Verdai. Has Microsoft uh, what? Has Microsoft Microsoft seems to have really given up on first party games this gen. I feel they made a pretty decent dent into the gaming industry with the 360 but lost a ton of that the clout they had built up. What are some obvious mistakes they made and do you think there was a smarter path to have taken? Uh, do you think they are slowly backing away from this side of the industry or just wanting uh, until the next gen to go full on. Hmm. Uh, like, there's a really obvious point where it's like, if you hadn't done this, you'd be in a much better position. It's it's just it just goes straight to the like we announced a tremendous overreach of DRM. Yeah. Because like otherwise, even though the Xbone was a hundred dollars more they would still have been in a position where they would have the kind of brand loyalty of like, well, I bought the old one. Like, I'm, I'm sort of in this ecosystem. I'm used to Xbox Live. I don't have any compelling reason to migrate. And, like, the prices are not far enough apart. They're both still kind of mid-ticket items as far as technology goes. That one or the other is not a huge difference. But because it built up so much the press of oh, that's the one where if I buy it and my internet goes out, I can't keep playing. Yeah. And, like, even though that was gone by the time of launch, the damage was already done. I think people tend to forget just how, like, big the Xbox 360 was despite the absurd hardware issues. Like, Like uh, Xbox Live made that console. I think the yeah. other problem they have is almost every, at least for me, almost every Xbox One game is also on PC. 
Yeah. So if I'm trying to get, if I'm only going to get one console, I'm going to get the one that's got games I can't play on my PC. I think I my part of Microsoft shifting role in the industry is that essentially Microsoft doesn't care per se what hardware you're using as long as it's their ecosystem. And as far as they're concerned, if you're playing a game on PC, you're probably playing it on Windows. And that's the thing they care about. If you're playing it on Xbox One, that's nice. But we've, we give you an Xbox One or PC version if you buy a digital version because we don't actually care what you're playing it on. The other question was if they given up on first-party games. And actually, this year, I believe they're, they have more first-party games than last year. They're not as robust with them as maybe like obviously Nintendo or, or even Sony, but uh, they have you know Gears, they have the Halo franchise, they have Forza, they so they have some heavy hitters that that are on the consoles. But uh, I wouldn't say they've given up. I think they've kind of no been on on course basically. I mean, I think I, I think they've given it the old college try in a lot of ways too. I mean, you look over the history of the Xbox and they've done like a lot of weird first-party games and just. Not many it just brought back Phantom Dust. Yeah, not <laughs> many of them have stuck. So I think people kind of forget some of the weird one-offs and other stuff. And just kind of some of the failed acquisitions, too. Like Rare never really did much for them. Yeah, um, when they, well, when they bought Rare, they thought they were, they essentially thought, we're buying essentially Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they got Lionhead, and Fable was big for a brief period. And But, you know... The other big problem they have is saying that when the 360 and the PS3 first came out, a lot of the games were made for the 360, and they played better on the 360. Yeah. It was the console to play those games on, at least for the first two or three years. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this generation, it's been shown a lot of the PS4 games played better and have a better resolution frame rate than the three than the sorry than the Xbox One. So those kind of roles were reversed, and the Xbox One was originally a more expensive console. Pushing Connect when a lot of people don't really care about Connect. That's an, that's another thing I think that actually might have helped them. If Connect had been only an Xbox One launch thing and not in had never launched on 360, I don't think they'd have burned out the interest in like this weird no controller camera peripheral. But like by the time the Xbox One came out, it had come out and people like people already knew that. People had played it, experienced the novelty, knew it didn't work that well afterwards. And so, like, the the Xbox, it's surreal. Like, from, from our perspective, as people who play a lot of video games, it's surreal how successful the Kinect was. Like, crazy. Like, sold, I, I want to say, like, well. <laughs> sold, like, 20 million units, dude. Oh, my God. Like, it's one of those things where it's, like, Look at those franchises that companies like that you don't care about, but that companies keep making year in and year out, and it's just like what it sold that. Yeah. Which is, I think, another reason that like you, there's like a new Forza every year, and like I don't think I don't know anyone that plays a lot of them, but like if you go and look at it, it's just because they they sell millions every year. It's like what is what was the best selling PS2 game? I think it was Gran Turismo 3 A spec. Like. Think of all the PS2 games you love. None of them can even scratch that game. Yeah, well, the, the other problem you have, too, with things like the Kinect is it, it's good and bad. It attracts the casual uh, gamer that's not really yeah. in the, the hardware. So they'll, they'll buy the hardware. They'll get, like, a dance game and the Connectimals game or something. 
but they don't really buy a lot of software. Yeah. They buy yeah. a couple of games and that's it. So well, I think you saw that a lot with the Wii. Yep. You know, people would buy a lot of the Nintendo games and then you'd look at some of the other really interesting titles for the Wii and it's just this massive gap in sales difference. Just sad to me because there's a lot of interesting software there that I don't think anyone but me played. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> but uh, it's also interesting to just sort of look at the attach rates of the other big casual, like mid-core, casual to hardcore uh, demographic game. Grand Theft Auto V, like that game sells to half of every PS4 or Xbox One that is sold buys Grand Theft Auto V with it. Wow. Like that game has sold. Like it sells and sold and continues to sell crazy numbers every year. It's like you don't see reports on it because who thinks about it? Like not having played it, if you still if you cared about it, you've played it. If you read about games, but like they just keep selling. It's super weird. <sighs> yeah, video games. Uh, <laughs> and I guess the last part is: Are they waiting till next gen to go full on? I'm not sure if there ever is a next gen. I, I bet there's just hardware revisions from here on out. I could see that. I feel like both Sony and like both Sony and Microsoft went for very similar, like very similar to each other hardware. Like they're both x86 finally, which has been the standard PC architecture forever. Uh, they're both uh, like they both run a, basically the same number of cores with processors based on the same. Like, specific <laughs> family with the same amount of RAM, although different types of RAM. The Xbox Ones, I believe, is inferior, but it's, you know, it's still the same amount of RAM, per se. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, both of them set themselves in situations where it's like, we can just keep iterating on this hardware. And, like, that's that's useful for them also, because, like, when they upgrade this hardware... They, they keep inherently, like, the PS4 or Xbox One's library already, and so they don't have to make a clean break. They can just say, well, this new big revision, this has games that are exclusive to it, but all the old games still play on it. And then... Uh, and that, yeah. They basically which, became little lockdown PCs. Yeah. Which, which also adds to the fact that, like, the... Which also explains why Microsoft is pushing backwards compatibility with all of their previous systems. Mm. We never have to do this again. <laughs> but uh, and that's and if you look at it, that's kind of uh, a nice alternative to putting out a lot of first-party titles because they've gotten a lot of goodwill uh, just from doing doing that. For me, at least. Yeah, like like. That with with the backwards compatibility, they are trying to win back the sort of consumer that would have cared. Oh, that's the other thing. I guess I should say, if another way to fix this, uh, like aside from the DRM and aside from Connect, the big thing would have been that as presumptive market leader who had to bring forward consumers who would have like who would want to bring forward consumers who were considered locked into the Xbox ecosystem, if they had announced their Xbox 360 backwards compatibility plan, like, admitted, okay, not all your games are going to work immediately, but more and more of them are going to be to continue to work. Like, it, there was about a year there where the Xbox One existed, 
And they, like, whenever backwards compatibility was brought up, it's like, it's not backwards compatible. We have no announcements at this time. If they had instituted that program earlier, they could have created a greater sense of consumer lock-in that, okay, not all of my 360 games work, but it's more than the number of my 360 games that will work on if I buy a PS4. Which is, I, I feel like, would have been important to create that feeling of, well, I had an Xbox and I'm getting another Xbox because I can play at least some of my old Xbox on my new Xbox. Like, when, Xbox. You, when you're the market leader, when you're the market leader, that matters more. Like, Sony took advantage of the fact that they had lost ground with the PS4 where it was like, with the PS3, because they could just say, like, oh, less of you bought this anyway. We don't have to pretend we care about backwards compatibility right now. And it's, it's like how the PS3, they had to bend over backwards with the hardware design to try to include PS2 backwards compatibility for at least some of it because they were the market leader. Everyone had a ton of PS2 games and didn't want to be told they had to throw them out. Hmm. That was a doomed venture, of course, but... Well, their, their solution was stupid on space because it was just like, put a PS2 in there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, like, PS3 can't cry. It doesn't have an emotion engine. And I was going to say, this kind of the smart thing they did with the PS4 as well is they did um, some collections of some of the biggest PS3 games and um, did ports of some of the biggest PS3 games, like The Last of Us, uh, pretty quickly. So uh, made it a bit easier. To that was that was out. part of how they filled their... That was part of how they filled their first year software gap. Was yeah. Just like, well, it filled. I think it filled the gap, and it kind of uh, lessened the lack of backwards compatibility. Yeah, because they they could also rely on the fact that people had heard of these games, but because they were, there was a decent chance that their current audience did not have a PS3, that they could sell them again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's interesting. It works sometimes. Sometimes well, it was God of War three. <laughs> Why we've been discussing this, I've been trying to think of like. Xbox One only titles to recommend to people, and it's like uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. Wait, it's also on PC. Uh, yeah, and it's everything. Uh, <laughs> like is that Halo Microsoft ecosystem PC? has a lot of great games. It's not okay. So there's no Halo after Halo. There's no Halo after two on PC. So, well, Halo. Which get the Halo something. Master Chief Collection. Get Halo Five. I mean, and what about Gears Four. Yeah. Did Gears Four come to PC? Yeah, that's on PC. And the new Forza. I, yeah, that's also on PC. I think that speaks mostly to Microsoft. Like, they don't care as long as you bought, as you're in their ecosystem. Like, yeah, a lot I, of their, a lot of their PC games of recent are, oh, it's on PC if you have Windows 10. We really want you to have Windows 10, by the way. Yeah. Well, and also, and you know, the other thing I'm think, the other thing I'm thinking of now is in the age of uh, smartphones and tablets, less people actually have PCs capable of playing these games. So, it's, yeah. it, you know, so I guess it, it, it is some of these things I'm would be sure. important to recommend people get an Xbox One. I'm not sure if that's total. I think there's been actually been a revival in some of uh, PC gaming, especially things like Steam. Uh, Steam's really done that. And the whole, I think the whole PC is dead is kind of mid-2000s, but I think it's come back you see like um 
the new chips that come out, the new uh, Intel chips, and like when the 10, 1080s came yeah. out, you can yeah. buy them from us. They're sold out everywhere. It's true. I, I, I would argue that PC gaming's definitely not dead, but I think that it's hit kind of a plateau of how much it can grow, because it's hit the point where, like, if you... Like, a lot of people, like, the reason that they want to sell these lockdown computers is the idea that, like, people that aren't... Grognards don't like putting computers together. <laughs> and, like, even if it were even if it were as easy as just snapping parts together, it would still be terrifying, and it's not that easy. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things like the Alienware stuff. You can buy gaming rigs. Definitely. I mean, you're paying a, a premium yeah, but, for it, but... Yeah, like, that, that's the thing, is that when you when you get someone else to... When you get to the point where someone's selling you a gaming PC, the kind of markups you're looking at make the consoles more attractive. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can play that game, and, like, it will cost me $400 yeah. instead of 3000 I mean, I, I didn't really mean to try and suggest that, like, PC gaming is dead, just that... Um... Kind of some well, of the, I, some of the people that may have just like okay I can get that game on my PC I'll do that may just prefer may have there, there's a certain amount a, of like yeah like you can have a computing solution that like lets you do the things you want to do which is usually email surf the internet uh, YouTube Facebook that sort of thing that is not even remotely capable of uh, running a video game oh for sure but on the other side since what was it Crisis and a few others where you kind of had that PC arms race with games in the mid late two thousands, and then they kind of learned from games like World of Warcraft and some others to where you don't make the tech specs so high that you limit your player base. Yeah, and so they've really started to do that. And I think a lot of the new engines that they've had actually allow for a wide, you know, uh, very uh, you can scale up. Uh, the game experience based on your PC, but it doesn't necessarily exclude lower, older end yeah. systems. I've heard uh, Overwatch mm. on PC is really good about that, uh, but mm. that's that's just something Blizzard has always been good about, and and it's really. Gee, I wonder why Blizzard games continue to sell for years. <laughs> <laughs> this is, they're just really smart about that, trying to reach the maximal audience possible and not necessarily pushing the the biggest tech. Which is crazy because you look at a game like Overwatch and it's gorgeous, and you know a lot of their other games look really nice. Uh, but well, yeah, is definitely one of the pioneers in doing that. But I think others have started following suit. Oh, for sure. So I don't think it's it, it used to really knock a lot of people out of the of the game. You know, all oh, you know, every time a new game comes out, I gotta get a new PC almost. But uh, it's being a little bit over the top. But it, it, that's yeah, really definitely. not the case now. You can. I think I had, or a lot of people, you know, go six, seven, eight years now with the same PC, and yep. maybe do a little minor upgrades here and there, and you can still play almost all the new games that come out, just maybe not on ultimate max settings. Yeah, certainly for our audience, that uh, that's true. I just, it's one of those things where I think it has like a built-in like the appearance of complexity creates enough of a barrier that it has difficulty reaching to the audience that's buying a console to play Call of Duty. For sure. Uh, then you also get in the whole controller versus mouse and keyboard thing, which is a whole other uh, yeah. discussion. But the 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 only other thing I would have to say about that is that there there is the only other issue is that like outside of say Microsoft, you run into a lot of like the big AAA titles that aren't PC focused tend to come out late 
or not with the most sterling of ports mm-hmm. because <laughs> because like at some point like the most money you're going to make is going to be the initial rush on consoles and I'm not gonna like, like just because like the initial rush on consoles there's there's no real alternatives like people get into the zeitgeist a bit more but it's also just people don't expect console games to go down in price the way that people who you who are savvy about Steam expect games to go down in price yeah. So like there there is just a natural lower inclination to make PC versions day and date with their console counterparts. This was really bad at the end of the last gen cycle. Oh yeah, uh, they were making yeah. games lowest common denominator with the consoles, and then I think we've seen a relief of that somewhat in the last few years. I wonder if it's a lot of better. I wonder if a lot of that just has to do with the current consoles being running on hardware similar to. Regular sure PCs instead of you know having to port from a power PC base to uh, Intel base, which was computers. at least better than having to port from the uh, cell processor. Uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention like way back at the start of this question, uh, Jay Mustang brought up the uh, like oh the PS3 had some issues with uh, with early. Uh, with early third-party support, and it's really fascinating to actually go back and look at news stories from, like, 2006, where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Unreal Engine 3 doesn't work well on this system. Everything's (laughs) in Unreal Engine 3. (laughs) Whoops. Like, you have tons... Like, there's also just tons of games that come out on... that are announced as getting ports to PS3 that just never materialize. The big ones that stick out to me are there was an announced Dead Rising PS3 port, never materialized. There was an announced Saints Row 1 P- PS3 port, never materialized. Like, uh, I remember looking at, or just like even, there was uh, just games where like developers who were expecting to lead on PS3 because they'd led on PS2 because it was the weakest system, uh, it was easier to port to the more powerful, more uh, friendly architectured Xbox and GameCube. Uh, they would sort of lead on that. They were expecting to lead on PS3 and then being utterly like baffled by the cell architecture and just essentially bar- barely even touching it until they had to. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to make a good cell game, it seemed like you kind of had to go all in on that development, like uh, Naughty Dog Eight processor did. multi-threading. Um, I mean, it was definitely a powerful processor. You look at Naughty Dog games, you look at... um. um Whoever the hell makes God of War games. Tony Santa Monica. Thank you. Um, I still want to, like, just as a jive, I, I made a... Oh, man. Sucker the Ratchet Clank work. games. Stuff Insomniac like that. is great work. Yeah. I, I want to point back to a previous jive I made. I'm still, like, there's still a part of me that just as a, like, consumer is irritated that Sony released God of War 3 remastered by itself as a PS4 game. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> Like, you had multiple... Like, you could have made a God of War trilogy collection, and that would have made sense. You wouldn't have even had to include the spinoffs, just the first three games. <sighs> Never mind. Sorry. Just baffles me to this day. Uh, it's kind of baffling. But yeah. Now it's, like... It, it took two generations, but Sony made their own Saturn. <laughs> 
Like they're they're messed up in the same ways. It's like here's the weird processor architecture well, nothing else uses. Well, like to lesser extent, but yeah, in the same way. Because it, it really was a successful yeah. console at the end. It well, no, it was successful. It was successful essentially by virtue of being too big to fail. But at the same time, like the things that are wrong with the PS3's architecture are similar to lesser degree versions of the things that are wrong with the Saturn architecture. Yeah, well, it, it had a good 3D graphics processor, unlike the Saturn. Listen, you don't like Which infinite 2D planes pretending to be 3D? <sighs> Let me tell you about Video Display Processor 2. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a long story about Virtua Fighter. Oh, Saturn. What a game. What a system. At least you can kind of emulate it now. Let's all yeah, play Dark Saber. What, what, um, how many years later? Uh, let's see. 25-ish? 25? Dude, we're not in 2021 yet. Uh, 20? I still have my Saturn hooked up. So do I. Do you have, um... Panzer Dragoon Saga? Yep. Nice. I love like I love looking up how much individual discs of Panzer Dragoon Saga cost, because it's always $200 for a disc. Isolated. Sure is. You love it. It's an awesome game. And a unique game. There's really nothing, nothing like it out there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting around to it. Yeah. It emulates fine, seemingly. <laughs> Speaking of which, hopefully we'll be able to play Panzer Dragon Orta on Xbox Ones in short order. I would really, really love for that to be the case. If only so that, like, I really, really want Panzer Dragoon or... I want to play Panzer Dragoon Orta on Xbox One but specifically play the port of Panzer Dragoon 1 in Panzer Dragoon Orta. <laughs> because that's important to me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> because I really want the experience of layered emulation. Here's a Windows game being emulated underneath... Like It's the Windows version of Panzer Dragoon being emulated within the Xbox... Panzer Dragoon Orta being emulated on Xbox One. Oh, God. <sighs> Creepy silence. <laughs> Alright, I guess we should move on to our next question at this point. Oh, hey! Oh, look, it's more Microsoft. How important do you think the 360 Red Ring of Death situation was to the Xbox One? Are gamers quick to forgive, or is there still some consumer mistrust? I think we kind of went over this. I don't think anyone cared. <laughs> I mean, the PS3 had a lot of hardware failure, too. It just wasn't yeah. publicized. A lot of those early, fat PS3s no longer work. Yeah. But I don't think that was the big... I think people got over it somehow. Yeah. I think, really, the whole DRM thing was uh, was what effed people up. Because, I mean, like I said, the, the, I think it's easy to forget just how big the 360 was, despite all those hardware failures. 
Like, you know, we mentioned. Or did it help hardware sales? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. Uh, I cer- I'm sure it helped, like, sales of uh, this, the second model. Yep. Whatever that was called. That's actually the one I still have now. Same. That was a pretty good model. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that was the issue. Um, so I think we all remember the the E3, the first Xbox One and PS4 E3, where Sony got an absurd amount of cheers just for saying, "You can trade in your freaking game disc." <laughs> <laughs> or buy a used game. You know, uh, maybe unpopular opinion. I didn't actually mind that too much because, yeah. like I said, I do play a lot of PC games. I buy Steam games all the time that I can't trade. I yeah, no, it, there were many benefits to it, but um, I it I know never a lot got of people through do. to people. <laughs> I don't think. I think the other thing too, Microsoft, that maybe it wasn't as big of a deal as this, but I think it's still a factor. Was and actually, it was a factor because they talked about it this last one, this last E3. Was Microsoft seemed more about selling a media platform, and the PS4 seemed like it was selling a video game console. Yeah. And a lot of the Microsoft fo- focused on, hey, you can watch your TV in this thing, where PS4 was like, hey, look at all of our games. Yeah. The whole second HDMI port thing. Yeah. And then this last E3 they kept saying look 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 how many games we got games 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 so they're I think they're learning from that definitely uh, what else I was going to say about this um, I really want I mean with the original announcement I really did like the idea of you know you buy having the physical copy and then being able to install and not actually have the disc in there because that's actually a thing I do is Although I usually wait for a sale, I'll actually buy like a digital copy of a game I actually have on a disc, just just for the freaking convenience. No, yeah, it is convenient. Yeah. But I do like having stuff on my shelf too, so I I do have that collector nature, so I understand about having discs. Yeah. Uh, so I think honestly, I think they were close to something there. I just think the uh, um, the whole internet check thing kind of broke it. But you'd never convince them to let no. a feature like that run without yeah, the internet check. Understandable. Uh, Alright, let's see. That's all from Budai, who also said happy 50th episode. Hooray, uh, thank you, Budai. Yes, thank you, Budai. You've pr- provided many useful questions over the, the course of this show, and hopefully you continue to do so. Alright. Next up, we have a question from Shaman, who says, How far ahead of second place is first-person VR fishing on the list of lamest Final Fantasy spinoffs? Yeah, I have no interest in it. (laughs) Um... Lamest Final Fantasy spinoffs. Trying to think of some of the lame ones. Final Fantasy... Final Fantasy Explorers is poop, but it's definitely better than VR fishing. Wouldn't there? Which one of the uh, phone games is really, really bad? Oh God, uh, I know which one you're talking about. I cannot 
for the life of me remember the name of it. That one's probably close. No, uh, Final Fantasy the Bravest or something like that. Yeah, that might be all the bravest. Right. All yeah. the bravest, yeah. That's the one. Uh, honestly, it might be on the, at the top of the list. I didn't really care for the Chocobo racing game, but yeah, maybe just under all the bravest, but it's pretty <laughs> up there. I mean, but they're not. Are they? They're. They're not selling that as an actual like standalone game, are they? I thought it was a phone game that's kind of like you. No, I mean, I, I mean the VR fishing. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's probably a, a. I'm sure it's not a retail release. It's probably maybe PSN store only or something. Okay, so it's not really. It doesn't seem like that big big a deal to me then. But yeah, it's it's up there, Shaman, definitely. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a lot to say about VR fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alright, what do we got next on the list? Did we lose Dave? No, I'm here. Sorry, I was just busy with something. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, VR fishing left him speechless. Oh. We've got another question from Budai. Are there any games that you relate to seasons of the year? Secret of Mana always seemed like a winter game to me since I got it for Christmas, and I always liked the winter levels in it. Um, I kind of feel the same way about that game, uh, Budai, simply because of the fact that it has Santa Claus in it. Kind of uh, Jenkins the thing. Yeah. No, but- I don't know that I can think of any particularly uh, seasonal games in my uh, mind. Wave Race to me is like a summer game. I mean, like the beach volleyball. I don't really play those, but stuff that's like directly summer sports. Uh, to me, I play sports games, so I play Madden, and that's always kind of like a, a fall football season game to me. So mm-hmm. uh, Just because it comes out every August. But other than that, I don't really... Definitely not, no RPGs come to mind. <laughs> I think I Am Setsuna would probably be a winter game for me. Simply because uh, what I've played what I've played of it so far is all in the snow. But yeah, I think that's... Banner Saga, I guess, would also be like a winter game then. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other ones. Like um, can't think of anything else. Yeah, I think that's about all I got on that. Dave, any RPGs you associate with a specific season? No, like I said, I can't think of any games I associate with a specific season. Alright. Let's get out of the fun question, then. And this, oh, is, no. this is from Victor. Um, I don't have a question as much as a request for commentary on the recent news story about Konami allegedly blacklisting its ex-employees. Oh, God. Yes. Dang. Fun time. It just seems kind of petty. It seems very petty, and they're also trying to keep Kojima Productions from getting insurance, so that's fun. 
As far as can be told, it's also apparently true. Yeah, no, there's every reason to believe this is the case, yeah. actually. So, it's kind of effed up. Especially, to me, considering... Um, they don't even make a lot of games anymore. So why are they blacklisting a bunch of ex-video game developers? I don't know. I don't know, man. We, we could go weird. on for a long time. Yeah, trying to figure out some of the decisions Konami and Capcom and some of those others have made. Yeah. Good old Konami. Yeah, this is... Like, it's a new level of vindictive. Like... This is, this is literally someone trying to leave some a dagger in someone else's back, but... The only justification I can see for them is that them thinking, okay, they took these people, they're going to be a direct competitor, and people will see this as the new Konami and buy their stuff instead of Konami stuff. A little late. Cow's already out of the barn. Yeah. <laughs> but from their justification or their mindset, that's that's the only thing I can really see their reasoning for doing so, beyond just being you know, vindictive. They can put Solid Snake and Drummer Man. Do it. With the knife. Did they do that? They put Simon Belmont in. That's that makes no sense. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's Bomberman. It's not supposed to. When they tried to make it quote unquote make sense, they made Bomberman Act Zero. Oh, why would you bring that up? Why? Because you were the one that was like, "Oh, Bomberman should make sense." Next, you'll be asking me to disentangle which came first, Bomberman or Load Runner, in terms of continuity within Hudson Soft. Which did come first? I believe Load Runner predates Bomberman, but like the point is that Bomberman and Load Runner have circular endings when Hudson made them. <laughs> when you finish Load Runner, he takes up, he puts, like he puts on a helmet and becomes Bomberman, and then when you finish Bomberman, he takes off a hel- his helmet and becomes Load Runner. What? No. <laughs> no. No. This makes no sense. Don't think too hard about it. It's too late. Uh, screw you, Konami. Rip. Kill 500,000 copies. Killed of off Super all Punk your cool franchises and then apparently harassed all the cool people that made those franchises. Listen, I'm sure you can probably continue to purchase Pro Evolution soccer games until the Earth explodes. No. Like, probably? I don't actually know if there's a new Pro Evolution this year. Okay, yeah, there's a Pro Evolution soccer 2017. I always forget that that is even a series. It was a very popular one back in the day. Just by virtue of being like, it didn't have the licenses, but it was considered a better soccer game. (laughs) Interesting. <sighs> Not sure if it maintained that title, but that's the way it was for a while. Mm-hmm. Then again, for a long time, they couldn't decide how they were going to sell it in the U.S. It was ESPN, then it was International Superstar Soccer, and then Winning Eleven. They went with a lot of names. It's called Soccer Quest. Oh, now you're making me think of Virtua Quest. Uh, is there a soccer RPG? Uh, probably for like the frickin'. Oh, um, 
Aside from Inazuma 11. Oh, yeah, aside from Inazuma. Like a good soccer RPG. Wow, burn. <laughs> uh, like, I was going to say, probably for, like, the Turbo Duo. Or PC Engine Duo, I should say. Because uh, that probably didn't come out in English. Wouldn't be surprised it would be a Saturn one that didn't come out. Like, I know that, like, Namco had, like, this tendency to, like, they would sell their sports games with pseudo-RPG modes on the on the PC Engine. Yeah, I'm thinking of, what the heck was that baseball game they made? Um, name is escaping me. Because um, we got two of those here, and that kind of had, like, a sort of RPG-ish mode to it. I'm not going to remember it. Anyway. How did we get here? Oh, right. Konami. Konami sucks. That's how we got here. Become the Konami. Uh, can I choose not to become the Konami? Is that is that a it's too late. You're the Konami of RP Gamer. Ugh. Also you from the crazy of Castlevania. Also from Victor, we have, since you accept complaints, I'm going to complain that the Q&A quest archive on the RP Gamer site hasn't been updated since episode 47. It's up to, up to date now. Joke's Eventually, on you. I had to fix it. <laughs> uh, I'm only complaining because I enjoy your show and like convenient access to it and its discussion threads. Okay, it's updated, and we shall do a better job to keep that updated in the future. Because I've put Dave in charge of it, and not myself in charge of it anymore. Which is good. Uh, this, is, this is the life you dreamed of. Uh, and I think that's all the questions we have from our wonderful viewers. But thankfully, Jonathan came up with an excellent discussion topic before the show. Oh, man. So let's get let's dig into that. You want to give us the gist of it? Am I digging in or are you digging in? You can dig in. You can dig in and just give can the, you dig up? the general outline, and then we'll go from there. All right, I want to talk about the future of handheld RPG gaming. Yes. Uh, so I guess, as we all know, during the last gen, maybe maybe a little bit before that, and probably last year, RPGs and specifically JRPGs, uh, they kind of had a revival in the handhelds with the DS, the PSP, the Vita, the 3DS. Now the Vita is basically about dead. We're getting a few releases here and there with the 3DS features unknown. Now that the Switch is out, uh, will the 3DS and Switch be our last handheld portable platforms that are not mobile, phone, tablet type platforms? And uh, uh, will these move over to PC, as we've seen some do already, like with the Tales series and a lot of Falcom games and such? What do you guys think? I think Falcom's busy uh, moving on to the PS4, because that's where they see the greenest pastures. But, uh, Falcom is always kind of atypical, at least to the Jap Japanese market, though. Yeah, like Tales and the Final Fantasies are now being released on PC. Yeah. Um... As, a, as like a big release, kind of seven was. I'm just picturing the Vita in the background saying, "I'm not dead yet." <laughs> it, it, like <laughs> even, like uh, part of part, one thing that this question brought to mind to me. Well, not really a question, but this this topic brings to mind to me is that like I saw an interview with uh, like one of the heads of Falcom where he was like, "Yeah, the Vita's dying even in Japan." Yeah, I mean, are they going to make another handheld? I don't think so. 
I don't like if I were the one advising how, Sony how to spend its money, I wouldn't be saying, "Yeah, make a Vita 2. Is Nintendo going to make another handheld that's not the nope. Switch? No, I think that's their handheld. I was kind of the. I feel like that was kind of the point of making the Switch was that they could just not have to delineate between handheld games and yeah, it's, console games. I think it really was time to kind of unify their platforms. I mean, it it made a lot of sense uh, in past years to have two, but I mean, it's. Um, Get excited for future Switch variants, future Switch yeah. updates that will all just be uh, Tigra based. The other thing is, though, they did sell a lot of units of both handhelds and consoles. Will that limit their overall hardware sales? I, it, it's hard to say because, like, a lot of times, like, like their handheld and console markets both took a huge dip in the past generation. Like. 3DS still sold really well. 3DS still sold really well, but like it's still like you take the DS and you cut its market numbers in half. You wouldn't you have a market monster that's still selling really well, but it's still a huge dip. Well, I think a lot of gamers they had a Wii U or Wii or now Switch, and they had a 3DS or DS. Now it's just I'll just buy just buy one piece of hardware. I think, but uh, you know, also obviously, like they they want the people that were going to. Like, that would buy a piece of hardware and would not delineate which kind they were buying. It's like, I mean, you know, after a while, it's just like, yeah, you can sell them. You can definitely sell plenty of people individual 3DSs, and you could probably sell people individual Switches to a lesser extent. But it's it's one of those things where it's like they weren't going to get both a Wii and a DS again. It was not something that they could really count on. Yeah, I think to some extent maybe their market has just become instead of you know specifically a handheld market and a console market, they want to really focus in on getting just like a Nintendo, Nintendo market. market. Yeah. Um, that also means that they have le- it's just a much less complicated manufacturing situation. Yeah, but I mean, as for like the overall health of like a handheld market, I think the success of the 3DS, at least in my view, uh, told me that yes, tablets, uh, smartphones, things like that, is definitely going to cut a very large amount into that market because you're not going to get a lot of the casual people anymore, but there's still a very obvious market for like a dedicated gaming handheld. And uh, I think something like the Switch is definitely a good way to keep that going because you can still sell it as like a, something to play on your TV and there'll still be people that use it primarily just for that. Um, but you can still get that handheld market. And it, to me, it, it really feels like a lot of the niche stuff we saw going to the Vita, and especially a lot of like cool indie games are already just like migrating there probably partially just because it's a new platform so you can get a lot of visibility on it because there's not a lot on there but I think in some ways it's just kind of catering to that sort of market like I've been playing a lot of a lot of Cave Story um, a lot of the other indie releases like uh, Dragon's Trap the remake of that, and it's just been 
you know, there's the joke that, like, it's the Vita 2, but in some ways it kind of is. And, which is totally fine. Uh, you know, the Vita with first-party support from Nintendo, Nintendo would have been, like, freaking awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so where are these RPGs and JRPGs that were on handhelds going to go? That is a good question, because I don't think they're necessarily all just going to go right to Switch. Um, you know, Falcom. Yes. <laughs> Falcom obviously seems to be sticking to like Sony because they seem to be moving to the PS4. I think there was some mention that they're considering like the Switch, but you know, we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah, their the explanation last... was basically that PS4 offered them like since their international business is growing, PS4 offered them the most reach. And then their last was it Trails Three. Is that PC Cold Steel only? 3. Uh, yeah. No, Cold Steel 3 is PS4 only. Well, one of them was... There was going to be on... Uh, or maybe it was only Vita, the PSN store. But I thought one of them you could only play on PC. Oh, oh yeah. that's Trails the third, but that's a 10-year-old game. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think you may also see Falcom, like, themselves move back to PC development as well, to some extent, since it's... Theory, well, that was their roots. In, yeah, and, and in theory, it's relatively easy to port that from PS4, and that gives them, like, since they've already had success on Steam I don't actually here, know who makes did, it a little like, easier. I know that a few of the games that, like, XSeed has been localizing had to be ported to PC, and I'm not actually sure who did them. I know originally they had, like, an internal PC programmer. I don't know if that's still the case. The other big issue or question or point I want to make with it is a lot of those RPGs went on those handhelds just due to development costs. They, they weren't on those big systems, big screens, high resolution, so mm-hmm. their budgets were a lot less. So if you, you just, to me, you can't make a lot of those games just go to the Switch or the PS4 and it'd be the same kind of game. You'd, the same kind of budget. Well, you'd think that, and yet, you know, like I said, I'm playing like a physical $30 copy of freaking Cave Story originally came out in yeah. 2004 pixelated graphics and I think you know I think in this day and age it's kind of weird people are totally fine with like those older looking graphics like I don't think it's like the deterrent it used to be like that to the point where a lot of those games had to go to portable um, you know I, I think you may even see a lot of those types of games show up on the consoles, not even just necessarily just as, like, uh, digital-only releases. Uh, so I, I'm not necessarily sure that, um, like, going to a specific console just for costs is a problem anymore. Um, but, I mean, it could be. Um, you know, obviously Sony in the past has been pretty prickly about, uh, that sort of thing, so it doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to be welcoming to, uh, let's just say, less than the high fidelity games. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm just worried about all those DS, 3DS, Vita, and PSP RPGs that we had a whole. It was it was king for a while. All those nice yeah. RPGs. No, I, I'm. I'd they be just worried. Just gonna disappear. Worry about that too. Just look at like Atlas's output on the DS and 3DS, and you know they're still putting out stuff on 3DS, and I'm, I'm wondering if 
that's just going to go to Switch. Um, the new Fire Emblem games, even for yeah, just going to make them Switch games, I guess. Yeah, like they've already so, announced a Fire yeah. Emblem Switch. I mean, uh, but I I think uh, uh, I think it's and it's going to end up being that a lot of that's just going to go to Switch, pretty much because it seems to already be a success in Japan, and mm-hmm. since that's still the primarily primary market for a lot of those games and that's probably just where it's going to go which is why I think uh, we'll hear about a Monster Hunter 5 on the Switch in the near future regardless of what Monster Hunter World does because that's obviously not for Japan not for you Uh, yeah video games so, yeah, Sorry. So yeah, I think I think those will end up on Switch, and um, I'm really hoping we're not just gonna see like those kind of somewhat vanish because that would suck. But and you know, a part of the thing with that is a lot of those games were cool because they were like utilized the second screen on the 3DS and the DS really well, which is kind of a thing I'm really gonna miss. And, you know, I think they could have taken advantage of that more on the Wii U as well. Oh, which sure. I was kind of hoping they would, and then they didn't really. Yeah. Uh, the physical disconnect caused problems. But it, it was just such a feature that you got used to, and you didn't necessarily even think about just like, okay, I've got my, a map down here, or I can easily access menus down here, just simple things like that. It was so good for RPGs, and there's so many... RPGs that utilize it really well, just like Etrian Odyssey, especially. Yeah, it, it's just it was so perfect for RPGs. It's going to be missed, but yep. you know, at least the Switch has like a higher resolution screen, so that should That's mitigate nice. it somewhat. So, um, we'll have to see where it goes. You know, I'm really. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see if, you know, is the Etrinata series just going to disappear now? Because probably not. Probably not. It's just what do they do now? It'll just because... simulate. It will simulate. It will. No, no, it's great. They will make one half of the Switch screen will be a uh, <laughs> will be the map, and the other half will not, and it will allow them to also keep the uh, art budget down by shrinking the resolution of the art. <laughs> well, the other thing is. The 3DS obviously isn't dead yet. They're not going to make oh. another one, but I'm, how much longer are companies going to continue to support and develop games? I suspect that the last major game will come out sometime late 2018, early 2019. Yeah, that's about right. Like, it's not in the situation that the DS was in when it was shuffled off this Mortal Coil where everyone had one, but also everyone knew had to pirate games for it, yeah. so it didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, everyone... Like, I mean, when the Switch came out, everyone seemed to think like, well, seemed to say like, oh, well, the 3DS is dead, and I'm just like, uh, no. <laughs> there's millions and millions of people that still have one, and there's only a few million people who've been able to get a freaking Switch. Nintendo also seemed very, like, they were very much prepared for the idea that the Switch did not immediately take off. Yeah. Like, when you, like, they're obviously very glad that it's taken off but like they were also obviously very prepared for the idea 
this didn't take off. We will do our best to keep it running, but like we want to keep our options open in case people just want to keep using the 3DS, at which point there's there's probably a 3DS successor that is being quietly murdered in Nintendo headquarters right now. <laughs> the 4DS. It probably had some insane name like that. <laughs> the 3DS was the Nitro for a while. Not, not, the, not the 3DS. The original DS was the Nitro. Monday Nitro? No, no. The wrestling handheld console? That sounds like hell. You can play WWE 2K18 on your Switch. That's yes. it. And it has all of the modes, unlike all the other sports games. All one of them. <laughs> yes. Now, if someone would just make a baseball game that is good, that is not Sony, so I can get a good baseball game on the Switch. I don't think anyone else makes baseball games anymore, dude. Uh, MLB itself does. But as far as I can tell, what? it's not a good one. Yes. It's a phone. It's, Are you um, talking about a phone? No, I'm talking about uh, what the hell is it called? It's like RBI baseball. What? What? <laughs> yes. Look what? it up. Uh, <laughs> what? What? Yes, they brought back the RBI baseball brand. That that name of all things. Yes. What? RBA Baseball, so what? I've never even heard of this. Available on your PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, P- like the first revived RBI Baseball was PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Android, iOS, and Steam. What? How have I never heard of this? Am I... Did you just make this up to no, troll me? Did you no, like this? It wasn't very good. Page? It's not very good. But no, it's, I'm just saying. It's like, it de- seems like something you made up to no. troll me. And it's developed. It's developed by MLB itself. It's not like what? Any, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Like they just. I don't know. They just pulled in some guy from off the pitcher's mound. No, you can't. We can't finish this game until you go and write three lines of code for RBI Baseball. Well, it's probably just like after the disaster that was uh, the ex- the terrible exclusive deal with 2K Games. Like, their entire their entire, like, that entire, like, setup was bizarre. It's like 2K, I'm, not, I'm baffled that 2K Games paid out the probably surreal amount of money that was going to cost. That, that especially was going to cost. considering I mean, it wasn't exclusive, because Sony yeah, it was a third-party exclusive. And it was and continued to be the best game. Like the, to be fair, at the time that they got it, it managed to kill the baseball game most people seemed to care about, which was MVP Baseball by EA back in yeah, 2005. MVP, yeah, I miss MVP. That was after that they sucks. had spent years making awful triple-play baseballs. They just switched to MVP Baseball and realized, wait a minute, maybe we should make this good. Were you hired? No, they wanted someone good. Yeah, I really miss MVP Baseball. That was... I'm just remembering the period where Midway was making a version of NFL Blitz for every sport, regardless of how little sense it made. Well, the moral of the story is we just need to bring back Mutant League uh, sports games of all varieties. Uh, that's already happening, dude. What? Uh, was, was that a Kickstarter or something? Mm, well, the Kickstarter failed, and it just came back saying, okay, it's almost done now. Okay. This, this I believe it's Mutant League football? Probably. I just want Mutant League Baseball, or, an, or a new Mario Baseball Would that even work? The entire thing was built around people dying. It's just football Dude, with on. fatalities. Come on, you gotta be creative. 
Like, uh, whoops, I, 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 hate that... with, I hate you with the pitch and your head exploded. Yeah, that's already Midway's MLB Slugfest from 2003 and four. Yeah, but that doesn't involve mutants. Are you really that married to the mutant concept? Yes! It's like... Come on, now! Okay. Listen, I've watched the Mutant League cartoon, and it's basically the worst thing I've ever there, seen in my life. Why, why is there a Mutant League cartoon? You know what? Let's just move on to some other topic. Uh, portable RPGs. Yeah, I'm, I'll be sad if they ever die, because I don't like playing games on my phone. Yeah, no, I don't either. Yeah, it's pretty butt. <laughs> Rip. Like, uh, make me a phone that is actually secretly a video game controller. I, I was super excited that Romancing Saga 2 finally got a localization. Finally play it on my phone. I have barely played it at all. When's Romancing Saga 3? Uh, still hoping for the release of the Vita version of that, because I will actually play that. Like, they're currently in the process of localizing Android and iOS versions of Romancing Saga 3. They're not going to give us the Vita version. They didn't even give us the Vita Saga Scarlet Christ. They're not going to give us Romancing well, Saga. at least Vita. now that I have an Android tablet, I can just use, like, a Bluetooth controller with that or something. Bluetooth to PS4 controller to it. Can you do that? Probably. Yeah. Yep. think so. My Android is cool, and I'm fed up with Apple. But that's wow, that's a totally different story. But I'm going to tell it anyway. So I installed. Oh no! <laughs> so I installed the beta of the latest uh, version of macOS because that's the thing I do. And the first thing I did was because I had been playing some of this recently, was fire up StarCraft, because they released it for free, and I wanted to play some StarCraft. And it totally did not work. Wow, Rip. It's not run. Apple has betrayed you for the last time. <laughs> and also I installed the iOS 11 beta, and it's total crap. Total crap. Also, issues with shit crashing. So there you go. Fuck you, Apple. <laughs> uh, let's get a red band now. We've never gotten a red band. <laughs> Only because no one's paying attention to listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's about the scope of our questions for this episode. Um, if you have any other... If interesting memories about the so far 50 episode run of the show that you'd like to share, feel free. Uh, we'd love to hear them. Uh, other than that, you know where to send us questions on the forums, on the Twitters. I am at Asqueels. He is at FanboyMaster. John, are you I on Twitter? I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, JMusting1968. Do I even have you on Twitter? <laughs> So. You can so. fix that now. Yeah, I think we've had some DMs on Twitter. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, John, you working on anything for the site right now? Uh, I haven't really written an article in a while. I've been 
up until well, I was on the RPG cast, but I, uh, for those who follow that or didn't know, I just moved in a new house. So oh, nice. from about January, February-ish, I was kind of doing the whole get my house ready, sell it, pack it up, move, and then moving to the new house, set it all up. And I finally got the game room and all that done here in the last few weeks, so I've started to become more active again. And I, I have an interview in the works. I'm just It's been actually a few years in the works that's uh, I just waiting on the, the answers back from. I'll, I want to start getting more involved again. So I've got a little hiatus. Well, moving and selling a house takes forever. I know from experience, so... And I did it with, as you know, I think you're similar. I have a a four-and-a-half-year-old and a a a one-and-a-half-year-old, so it made it that tougher. (laughs) Well, we are in about the same boat. I got four-and-a-half and and two, just turned two, so... Yeah, very similar. So, as you can imagine, think about moving right now with those kids. Thankfully, when we moved, we just had uh, my son, so it was slightly easier. I, have, I also realized that the big problem with having a, a big gaming collection, it was there was a lot of boxes to move yes. and a lot of <laughs> games and books. That was like half of our boxes. The worst thing for Not me was when right. we had to do open houses because I was like paranoid about leaving all that stuff just laying around. I oh I didn't I boxed yeah. it all up and got I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. All right, anyway, uh, we're going to wrap this show up. Anyone have any last thoughts about the show? Portable Earth. It sounds like we're dying. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to be back in chat and uh, join you guys again in the future. Yeah, sure. Let's have you on again soon. Yep. And certainly uh, not the apparently nearly two year. <laughs> Two years in between. <laughs> I think we tried to get me out a few other times, but our schedules were just not working out with each other. At the time. Yeah. Tragedy stri- strikes when you least expect it. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, especially if you're not good about staying up really late. That's because <laughs> we usually record so late. Uh, no, I I usually do stay up late. Yeah. But I think you weren't recording this late then. I think it was a little earlier in the evening and. Yeah. My old house, see, that was the other problem with my old house, was I had a really big game room. It was like the upstairs game room that was, when my, we bought it, it was just me and my wife. Then we had the kids, that also became their playroom. Uh, so I, I'd have a really hard time having a quiet space to actually do any kind of recording. Yeah. So that that really hurt my ability to do uh, podcasts. Good old but, children. <laughs> Alright, anyway guys, we're, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, like I said, send us questions as usual, and uh, thank you again, listeners, for providing many great questions over the uh, 50 episodes of the show, and hopefully you'll all continue to provide some uh, as we continue on. So, catch you all next time. See you, Space Cowboys. Wings were part time. Excellent.